podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome along to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee! Episode 473, and while Palace showed they weren't yet on the beach on Saturday, Jim Daly currently is. So I'm your host this week, Jack Pierce. Join me to discuss Palace's 2-0 win over Bournemouth and answer your questions are the Athletic Ruben Pinder, frequent guest on the excellent TIFO Football Podcast and fresh from a Palace win and a trip to the Brentford Community Stadium at the weekend. Good weekend, Ruben. Yes, great weekend. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome along. Also joining is FYP regular and host of the Palace Cheese Rolls Twitter space, Joe Walker. Joe, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I can't believe um, the asylum is being run by us today. I know, right? Mm. <laughs> the kids are taking over. Mm. Yeah. Please turn off now, patrons, if you, <laughs> if you want to. Feel free to. <laughs> We've got the keys and, and we're going to rub with it. So, um, yeah, thank you, Jim, for your trust. Um, Hope your holiday goes well. You might need another one after you listen back to this. But anyway, there we go. Um, before we start, uh, a quick tour through some admin that Jim's asked me to, to go through. Uh, no sponsor this week again. So um, another shout out to any local or not so local businesses that might be interested in partnering with FYP before the end of this summer or the start of next. Um, if of interest to you or your business, please reach out by any of FYP's socials and Jim will send you the relevant details. Thank you to all of um, our FYP patrons. Your continued support is much appreciated. And for those of you who aren't yet subscribed and would like post-match podcasts, ad break, free versions of all FYP podcasts, access to discounted FYP merchandise, and access to the FYP Discord group chat, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. And finally, and genuinely, this is the only thing that Jim asked me to do this week, a drum roll for a random patron, please. It's Rob Billington. Okay, Jim. <laughs> please, please. I, we, we beg if we can move on, but anyway. Um, part one. Right, let's get into it. Tuna win against Bournemouth on Saturday. Eberiche Eze continuing his superb goal-scoring form alongside some other notable performances. And Palace moving on to 43 points, which is 16 points from eight games under Roy Hodgson. Let's start with Eberiche Eze, who again showcased all that he has to offer, grabbing his ninth and tenth league goals of the season and making it six and eight since Roy's returned. Joe, how good was Ebbs on Saturday? And are we seeing a player at the peak of their powers? It was very enjoyable 
on Saturday. He was very enjoyable. Um, it, I, I felt like he was the kind of it highlighted that you know he he was the 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 cherry on top of a kind of quite a, a broad cake. I'm I lost in a metaphor already, but the um, it's okay. just, the, the way we played, we looked very comfortable, and I just think it was really highlighted by his performance. He seemed to kind of emit that kind of relaxed confidence that you know just seemed to allow us to play some really interesting football. At, you know, all the kind of compliments that we've rained on him maybe a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, that that's immediately what's coming to mind again, this idea of, you know, he doesn't seem to break stride and yet is leaving players in the dust. And, I mean, the, the, the second goal is quite a, a spectacular example of that and demonstration of that. It's really it's it, it, quite a big part of the turnaround that we've had and certainly in, in terms of results. Um, has been down to ebbs and it's just been really nice to have a lovely Saturday out in Sellers and just see I don't know if he's at the peak of his powers because I do think there's, there's probably more to come um, but it's nice to see someone in on the right trajectory again mm-hmm. having probably not enjoyed uh, the, the most cons- you know probably when he looks back it's finished on a high this season so he'll probably reflect on it fondly but there was a period in the middle that we've probably discussed plenty of times by now that it, you know, we were fearing that that might not come back. So I, I'm really, really pleased to see him and, and others really just uh, play as well as they did on the weekend. Yeah, I'm sure we'll touch on that second goal in particular again, but it's the first one that the club have released. A, uh, I don't know how, you'd inspire, uh, how you describe it, really, a um, kind of arcade version of uh, the 25 passes that led to to that goal and that that goal probably got lost in just how good the second one was but two great goals and Ruben Ebbs credited Roy with providing him with the uh, the freedom that he currently has is it that simple um and do you think Patrick Vieira has stopped watching Palace matches since Ebbs's form has turned around so so much uh if he if he is still watching them I bet he's finding them quite difficult to watch um as a lot of managers I'm sure do he'll probably be thinking, why weren't they doing this for me? Um, but, you know, Vieira was a relatively inexperienced manager and Roy Hodgson has crafted his man management skills over a very long period of time. And sometimes it can be that simple because tactically, we're not that drastically different. Um, we're playing more or less the same shape as we were before, just with a bit more uh, aggression, and uh, freedom to, you know, the players have clearly been given a bit more freedom to express themselves, take players on. Um, And, you know, I'm very glad, as we all are, that this has happened to Eze's form because, you know, when he first arrived and he was a little bit more uh, inconsistent under Roy, he was clearly still very talented. And um, it goes against the kind of perception of Hodgson as a kind of manager who, will always play negative football. I think he was quite hamstrung by the squad he had before and his stint this time has shown that he's not wedded to playing uh, negative defensive football now that he's got centre-backs who can actually move um, and a few better kind of progressive passes in the team. Then we can play on the front foot. Obviously, we're playing a team uh, in Bournemouth who are, you know, on the beach a bit, but we've seen several good performances in the in this stint under Roy. So sometimes it can be that simple. Um, especially with 
players like Eze who kind of rely on uh, take-ons and dribbles and taking risks, if their confidence drops then and they second-guess themselves, then they become, uh, you know, a shadow of the player that they should be. And that's kind of what we saw under Vieira. Like, um, on the TIFO podcast I a few weeks ago, where just after Vieira got sacked, I was making the point that we do actually have a lot of good players in the squad, but they weren't um, performing to their to their maximum. And I listed off a few uh, of our good players and I kind of subconsciously left Eze out because he hadn't been playing that much or starting that much. Um, and I basically, and it, you know, this was pointed out to me and I basically explained, well, he just hasn't looked that good this season, which he, he actually hadn't. And there's no shame in saying that. And now he does. Um, so yeah, plenty of credit to Roy Hodgson for, for bringing him back to form. And I'm sure we'll come on to talking about Zaha later, but amid all of that uncertainty, it's very nice to have, other players in the team who can do similar things and maybe carry that torch. Absolutely. Um, and just on your point in terms of subconsciously forgetting about him, I, I've on a similar level, I, I just can't believe that we're less than two months on from the second half performance of his from Brighton, which was, you know, pales into all sorts of uh, comparisons compared to where he is now. I mean, the, 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 the player that he, is showcasing week in week out at the moment compared to where he was at certain points this season it's just staggering that we're looking at the same player really uh, just a, a question from uh, Jeff Masterson he he asks is Eze's form a risk of drawing unwanted attention from the big boys we will come on to this in the second part in terms of uh, I guess the the standard rumours that come about this time of year but is there a worry Joe that at this time of the season if a player is you know performing at the level that Ebbs is that they will start to to attract the attention of others I think that's natural. I what I think with all the things that we're trying to fund, whether it's stadium funding, whether it is um, a Zahar replacement, whether or not that is actually going to be required, all the various other other areas of the pitch where we're going to need to reinforce. I can only imagine one or two significant sales in one summer, and I think for Ebbs, it, it's probably come a bit too soon into i i I feel like maybe we will if there's going to be a player that's going to get a bid in i imagine it's not going to be for him i imagine if you're someone in the market for that type of player or certainly a player in that area of the pitch you're probably hoping that uh lester go down or even just just limp over the line and james madison's probably your option it's probably the more marquee version of that if you've got the money for Ebbs, you've probably got the money for Madison, I'd imagine. Mm. So that, I, I think we will be okay for, in that respect. But um, I think it definitely is bringing positive attention on the other side. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he's in this England, next England uh, the squad. I think they've got two games. I think they've got Malta and North Macedonia. So it's not, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see a full strength squad necessarily required. And so... It'd be interesting to see if he he makes that cut, and I think it would warrant it on that window of form since we uh, since they probably last had a look. But it's funny you mentioned that Brighton game, and uh, you know Vieira's come up already. I think Ebbs has probably been the the pinpoint of any kind of retort to accusations that it's just the opponents we've played that's really factored in this form. And I don't know if you saw there has been the. Uh, I think someone, some statistician, it might have even be some a, a reporter. It had actually looked at the um, side by side. So all the sides we've played since mm. uh, Roy has come in, 
um, how we fared against them earlier on in the season and the opposing fixtures. And it's the exact same win ratio draws, the amount, same amount of games won, drawn, and lost. Um, but I do, and yet none of us are hearing that going, oh, maybe we're overreacting. I think yeah. the, the, the performances, the manner of some of these um, results kind of speak for themselves, really. Bournemouth's an interesting one, you know, in that really bad run of form that eventually sees Vieira go. Bournemouth is the kind of isolated win at their place, and it was, they looked really bad. And again, I thought they looked pretty dreadful on Saturday, actually. We, we might we might come on to them because I think a lot of fans, well, not a lot of fans, but some fans are, you know, cautious in their praise of Saturday's performance because of how, and I'll use the phrase again, on the beach, Bournemouth were. But it, it, from their perspective, all achievements achieved already in the, the, that they were safe and, and, you and say that given them that. You could say the same for us. That, that's the yeah. thing I, I would spin on that. You know, we should in theory be on the beach now, totally. And yet we, you know... We seem to be very happy uh, the, the way everything was set up on the weekend. And, you know, Bournemouth have, re, you know, got some, invested some serious money in their side between, since that New Year's Eve game. So the way we, the fact that we managed to replicate our performance against them in quite a similar manner as if they were still playing some of the kind of championship promoted players in the I, I knew they um I knew they had spent money, but what the, the centre half who played for them, that was his debut, I think, the, the next two, they played next to, to Lloyd Kelly. Um, even they signed him in January and twenty-three million pounds, and it's the type of signing that Bournemouth were making that went under the radar. But that's that investment that they had, and um, and it's that investment that's probably got them over the line um, for this season. But they'll be glad the season is drawing to an end because they look like a squad that um, that's energy is is starting to to lag somewhat. Ruben, if I bring you on to, to Michael Elise, someone else who certainly worth mentioning, another standout performance from Saturday. Um, his Elise, uh, sorry, his assist for uh, Ebbs' second goal. That's his tenth assist this season um, uh, and I, I consider it to be the pingest ping of the season uh, in the Premier League a hell of an assist and obviously we'll we'll come on to Ebbs uh, and the finish in a moment but 10 Premier League assists this season for Michael Elise um, that's the most uh, assists in one season by a, by a Palace player um, since the Premier League was formed 30 years ago um, I'll open up to you both but Ruben you can have first dibs on this one which player did he overtake who, before the start of this season, was our uh, most assist with nine? Um, can I ask if it's post-2013? It's not. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, there's a knowing nod from Joe. I wonder if... Uh... I, I've no idea. I'm just going to throw um, Wayne Routledge out there. Well, ding, you ding, throw ding. it out. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Oh, Wayne Routledge to turn nine in yeah. 2004-05, which um, surprised me, Joe. I, 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 I he would have been a similar age, no? Quite, maybe a couple of years younger, which kind of demonstrates the quality that Wayne Routledge had and uh, begs uh, yeah. the question of, of why he wasn't worth maybe slightly more than was on the table to him at the time. But again, that's a, probably a different story, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I vividly recall, because... It, that was still a time, maybe the age we both were, where it was so still so novel to see Palace spoken about on on TV and you know having quite prominent coverage everywhere. And I do remember a Sky Sports news kind of package about at a particular point in the season. I want to say November time, October time, where I think Dow even won Manager of the Month. But um, Andy Johnson was the highest, was top, the leading English goal scorer in the Premier League, and rather right. was the leading on assists and. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think he did tail off a little bit because of the Tottenham interest and, and what eventually led to his departure. But yeah, he, he that's it is funny yet despite that to think of 
the fact that no one's really matched that in the time since. So as Ruben, time. I think as Ruben suggests, you probably think that maybe a Will for an Andros might have got close to it, but no, until Saturday, um, Wayne Routledge hadn't been bettered. But they, you know, two players that were um, that wore the same number on the back of their their Palace shirt. Just just how good is Michael Elise right now, Ruben? What what are your thoughts on him? To quote the the great Harry Redknapp, he will go <laughs> right to the very top. I, I I really think he will. Like, um, it is quite, in a way, it's quite alarming that stat that we haven't had a player rack up uh, double figures of assists in the last ten years in the Premier League. But then you think about how we played, and they were kind of spread around the team. And there's a lot of defenders scoring goals and stuff. We kind of somehow managed to stay up. We never had um, particularly prolific attackers. But the fact that he is putting up those numbers and, you know, consistently brilliant performances now as well. Like his first season here, he was a little bit inconsistent. Like you could see the talent. Um, and I think there was a reason why he was more in and out of the team, swapping with, you know, are you playing on the right and stuff? Um, you could look at his form now and say that that was wrong, but I think he was still adapting. And now he's really in incredible form um, and kind of revisiting a point that yeah we kind of raised earlier. Um, it, he will surely be one of the two most in-demand players uh, that we have at the moment. Like, if we're going to follow this model of um, buy low, develop, sell high, repeat, then it's it's probably going to be him or Gahey this summer. Um, there's already interest in, in both of them. Um, obviously, I hope we kind of keep him around because I think his value is only going to increase and obviously he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, he's got that, uh, he's kind of, he's got that X factor. He's got a really good cross, which is, you know, loath as I am to criticise anything Wilf ever does. Wilf's never quite had that cross in him. You know, the way he strikes a ball is not quite the same. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's just great having another winger on the other side who is kind of equally as threatening. You know, it takes a bit of the responsibility off the other creative players as well. Um, and yeah, he's just an, an absolute joy. I think your point there in, in terms of going right to the top and, and yes, the Harry Redknapp quote does come to mind, but that was about his nephew after all. So, you know, probably a little bit biased on that one, but I mean, he was right though. He was very right. And, and he did go right to the top. Um, but the, the 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 drive that Michael Elise shows with every minute that he's on a football pitch that he wants to make the most of every every minute on the pitch and you know the the as you say his acclimatizing last year to top flight football was was necessary it, it, he wouldn't have been able to play the amount of minutes that he's played this season and return it last year and, and credit goes to Vieira and Austin Roberts and the coaching staff for for preparing him for Premier League football the way they did, because we are we are reaping the rewards now. And Joe, just in terms of what Ruben's saying there, in terms of you know going right to the top and the interest in him will be so high. My hope is that with him only being, you know, not even halfway through his contract, that the club are in a position where they can at least go for one more year with Michael Elise and, and hopefully with a, another fine season and fitness hopefully kept in check as well. We go into next summer with, as Ruben says, one of the most demand players in Europe in our ranks while we acknowledge that he's probably not going to be here beyond the summer of 2024. Yeah, we've certainly protected ourselves to an extent in terms of value anyway, because of that, that there was all talk of that renewed contract or certainly a change in terms, uh, supposed release clause that was, if not increased, then removed from the deal. So we're, we're not going to get caught blindsided a little bit, but I, I yeah, I, I think if on this 
uh, trail of development on this this particular kind of momentum that he's on. And by this time next year, he should be just an unreal player. You know, we're so one of the big benefits I think this season, which and I imagine it attracts a lot of the interest as much as his attacking play is actually how much work he now does this season. Certainly defensively, it's really clear how much he will come back and help out. And you think a lot of the troubles in terms of failing to start last season were that when he did, it often required a Joel Ward to play behind him and be less progressive because Elise doesn't really have that same sort of defensive instinct, so certainly on the press. And it's funny now to look at how things, you know, horses of courses, how different managers can use the same players in different ways. Well, I was going to say, I don't know who the new right-back is now, but um, he's absolutely flying. Exactly. And... Uh, I'm sure we'll come. I'm sure that will come up with yourself leading the <laughs> leading the charge today. Um, but uh, not just Joel Wood, but yeah, Michael has been has been excellent. And and yeah, I still there's this part of me that, that thinks there's not just more to come on that particular side. Um, obviously, he's proving very useful there. He's not necessarily taking on players in the same manner that uh, a Will for others like prior to him, like a, let's even say a, a Belazi uh, did, um, but. You know, I would still. I, there's still part of me that really thinks someone else might fancy him where Ebbs would be. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's been there's been times. I know he certainly played more centrally at Reading now and again, and he's done a couple of games there for Palace. But the idea that you know we've only kind of seen one version of him is both quite exciting and terrifying, I suppose, if you're other teams. But yeah, it, you, when you look back, it's just, just still reflecting on prior wingers in this 10-year spell. I think we've got a lot of goal-scoring wingers in that time. Punchin, Wilf, Balazzi. A lot of people that cut inside Townsend, but not mm-hmm. necessarily providers in that same way, I guess. You know, maybe if we had Glenn Murray up front, we might have tailored it a little bit more to that still. But Glenn Murray actually came up in conversation. You know, Michael Elise's assist could possibly be through the roof if we had a Glenn Murray up top, but that's probably romanticising the memory of, of Glenn Murray somewhat. But... Um, we'll move on because we will come back to Ebbs and Elise in, in, in questions. Uh, there are plenty of questions about their futures and, and the, the impact that they're having. But just quickly before we kind of draw part one to an end, um, as I try and steer the HMS FYP through the, the choppy seas of podcasting, um, just want to quickly touch on Jurgen Anderson and the VAR check in the first half. We probably should acknowledge it. Um, but when I say brief, let, let's be brief about it because, you know, it's been and gone. But just in a, you know, a weekend where Howard Webb, has been kind of on the media prowl this last few days talking about VAR. It's interesting there, the kind of highlighting some some good examples of how it's how it's worked. I posed to both of you, I don't quite know how Joe got away with that one on on Saturday. What what are your thoughts, Ruben? Well, it looks kind of bad. Um, I I wasn't at the game. I've seen a brief uh, replay. It looks pretty bad, even if it's accidental. Um, but it, it reminded me of, I think, in the Milan derby last week in the Champions League, there was quite an obvious uh, punch in the box as well, in like a kind of dig in the ribs, but like clearly a, an intentional, deliberate punch. And, you know, they must have looked at it as well and and, and they let it go. So I, I, I guess the reason why they let Andersons go is because they couldn't be certain if it was a complete accident or whether it was deliberate. But you know, do people run with their fists closed? <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, he, he was definitely fortunate. Yeah. I think the closed fist is, is probably the uh, 
the most yeah. pertinent point of all of it and probably the the reason why I think he he got away with it so much. Joe, similar thoughts from you? Yeah, you know, I know the threshold for for going to the screen or whatnot is is exceptionally higher than it seemed to be, you know, even a few months ago. But I'm amazed they didn't make him have a look at that. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yes, you would think. But anyway, maybe maybe in a few months' time we'll hear the VAR audio from that one and we can all make our own minds on it. Just in terms of Jefferson Lerma, there have been whispers that he is a player that, that Palace have been looking at. So perhaps that footage will at least provide the media team with a golden opportunity for a welcome to Palace video for Jefferson Lerma, but we yeah, shall see. If, if that if that happens, another clip they have to include is um, his attempted assault of Wilfred Zaha. Yes. Do you remember? It, not the end of last season, maybe the season before. It's the 5-3. Yeah, it yeah. might have even been the season before that. I don't know when it was, but yeah, he just went full shove in the chest. Yes. Um, that was quite funny, and Wilf managed to stay on his feet. Um, yeah, that was good. But no, Lerma's a decent player um, in a in a, you know, Below average team um, scored an absurd goal in that game. I think. Yeah, well. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's, I, I feel like that's the kind of profile of player we need to be looking at because the midfield will need strengthening. Um, you know, I've been banging this drum for a while, and uh, that's the kind of gettable player who could um, provide a little bit more quality uh, in the middle of the park. So I wouldn't be against it. Only murmurings thus far. Nothing concrete, but there are murmurings, and plenty of people were murmuring the same thing on Saturday. But yeah, Jefferson Lerma, welcome to Palace. Perhaps just just finally in part one, I, I, I think we probably should talk about Wilf, given the um, the injury he suffered early in the second half. There are a couple of questions about it, but I thought we we cover it in part one. Um, I'll just ask you both this: Do you think that's the last time we see Wilf in a Palace shirt, at least in this spell, Joe? Yeah, you do. I, I I I just don't want to set myself up for the. I I've long accepted that he's going on his way, and I don't want to. I've very recently been allowing myself to believe that all the stuff with the the his fiance's Hindu. I don't know if people have seen that. You know, all, <laughs> the, all, in the, all the yes, yeah, all the women dressed in palace shirts, yeah. Um, but I just, I I, I would just be amazed at this point. Uh, maybe the you know the injury might actually make him feel like his options are more limited as a result. But well, that uh, yeah, that that is um, Ian Matthews asks, will anyone come in for Wilf after an injury hit end to the season? And that is three injuries since and it, he it's been confirmed by Sammy Mottwell of the Daily Mail that that's likely to be the end of his season, which is why I asked the question. And that is three muscle pulls since the World Cup. Um, so. You know, Ian's question is fair, but you know, I guess he's got a portfolio of work from the past ten years which he can point to, and whether a club makes a judgment based on injuries versus class talent that's available from Wilf on a free. I don't know, Ruben, your thoughts on on Wilf? It's uh, it's a bit concerning. Um, I've also allowed myself, like, I've come to terms with the fact that he will probably leave at the end of the season a long time ago. I made sure um, I've got a ticket for the Forest game because I wanted to say goodbye and now I won't be able to, which <laughs> makes me very sad. Um, but I, I've i thought this for a while. I think he's missed his window to go to a bigger London club because Spurs and Arsenal kind of always made the most sense. But then Arsenal signed Trossard and before that Spurs signed Richarlison, who are their versatile backup forwards, which is the role that Wilf would have fulfilled in either of those squads. Ch- Chelsea have too many... Uh, players anyway um so that's kind of a no-go uh he's not going to go back to manchester um can't you know liverpool have got left wingers 
I, I can't see where he goes in the Premier League. So I feel like it would have to be abroad somewhere. And there's, you know, there's reported interest um, from clubs in France and I think Germany. But I, now this is just a complete hunch, like a gut feeling. I don't think he fancies uprooting his family at this moment in time for like three years in Dortmund or wherever it might be, you know. Um, so, and, and the injuries will become a factor because prospective uh, buyers will say, well, yeah, he's on a free but he has just had three injuries, as you mentioned, in the in this half of the season. Um, and he's at that age where that will probably become more regular. Um, it also concerns me from Palace's point of view of like, I want him to stay, obviously, right? From a completely emotional point of view, I want him to stay. He's been the best thing about watching Palace for the last 10 years. But that if he, if he signs a 200 grand a week, four-year contract, in three years' time, it will look. It, it, there's a good chance that looks very stupid. Right? <laughs> yeah, there, there is the emotion, and then the the business side of it. Um, but, but maybe this opens up room for negotiation. You know, like if there's few if there's fewer suitors, then maybe maybe he signs a three year deal on slightly less money or something, and it feels a bit more palatable. But um, yeah, you know, it's not my money, so <laughs> I want him to stay. But do, do still come to the forest game, though, Ruben. It, it will I'll be still come. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my only thoughts on it are that if he, he had made his mind up, and this is the way I'll, I'll kind of couch it: if he'd made his mind up, I'd have expected him to want to walk through the centre circle and get the adulation that he would have rightly deserved, and, and have that moment, and be a little bit more upset than he appeared. So the fact that he didn't appear particularly emotional at the moment, and then walked around the back in front of the homestown and wasn't particularly receptive of, of the adulation. He acknowledged it with some claps. It just made me think that maybe the decision isn't quite there yet um, and it wasn't goodbye there and then. It might be goodbye in the future. We might may well have seen the last of Wilf, but the fact that yeah, he, didn't... he might Yeah, he might come out in a tracksuit after the Forest game and do a speech. Yeah. But the thing is, like... It, it there, nothing's been agreed uh, uh, whether it's with Palace or a different club so um, if he was to do that big goodbye it would and then and then end up staying it would look ridiculous so yeah. my fear is we might not get one but um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of compilations with Fix You by Coldplay <laughs> in, the, in the music bed um, all over Twitter for us to cry to they are, they are starting to drop on social media so yeah we'll draw it there part one and, and the wolf chat will continue and whatever happens with wolf we will be talking about wolf a lot during the summer i'm sure whether it's good or bad news but thank you gents that's um, the end of part one um, and join us in the uh, the next part when we'll be answering your questions my brother-in-law died suddenly And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquo.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquo.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the FYP podcast. Whee! Whee! <laughs> Thanks, boys. Um, plenty of questions this week, and thank you for those. We'll try to get through as many as we can. Um, but lots of questions about the next manager appointment, and there is speculation today on Tuesday about Roy being appointed for another year. Um, I think we're probably going to part those questions for now, for now, knowing that we're going to be spending a lot more time in the next few weeks and months talking about the next appointment of a manager whether that is Roy or someone else and um, I dare say an emergency pod may be called if there is news um in in the next few days or so um but just quickly Ruben and Joe a one-year deal for Roy right now are you more open to that than you were Let, let's because it's probably the easier way of, of asking are you more open to that than you were uh after the the appointment of Roy Ruben yeah yes I am um uh, it it doesn't necessarily indicate that um, there's. It's not indicative of a really coherent long term plan, but you know uh, the recruitment team can only be can only really go with like the managers who are available and guessable, um, and it's a difficult job to make that right appointment. So if they feel like the ideal appointment for the next long term vision isn't available. I don't think a one-year deal is the worst thing. Because as I mentioned earlier, this team play a lot differently to Roy Hodgson's previous Palace team because the squad is very different. The players clearly like him. Um, 
And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Roy Hodgson's age and it's some, some, some of the comments are kind of ageist, but from my point of view, it seems like, uh, I just worried, does he actually want to continue working or is he doing this out of goodwill? Like, um, but clearly he's, he's still got it. He's still got the respect to the dressing room. He's tactically astute. Um, so I wouldn't be against it, but I would, I would want some reassurance that, um, Dougie and the team are kind of, um, working on the getting the next one after that bang on. Yeah, and Joe, just before you come in, I think Ruben's point there is illustrated in the interview that he did with Gary Neville as part of the Overlap um, series that, that Neville does for, for Sky Sports. If you haven't seen it yet, it's available on YouTube. It's quite a fascinating insight. Joe, have you seen that? With, I have, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I just kind of listen to a man who happens to be Palace manager, but not really talk about Palace and, and just kind of voice his love for the game. And and I, I think it'd be very tough for Roy to ever give up the bug, to be honest. But I mean, any comments about that um, overlap episode and, and what your initial thoughts about a possible one year extension for Roy? I enjoyed how candid he was in that, that overlap episode. It um, There were definitely questions or leading questions about, is this, it doesn't feel like, I think, I think Gavin never actually said, does it, does it feel like, you know, we're just two games away from your retirement? It doesn't feel like that. And Roy doesn't seem too uh, too keen to close the door. And, mm. and I mean, he, he said, I mean, I think people have, quote, unquote, retired him twice in the last two years. So um, if he wants to keep going, I imagine that that's, he's kind of making that intent known. I I thought the, the, there wasn't a lot of palace in that interview, but it kind of almost ended up dwelling on a lot of his mistakes or bad periods i just think naturally because the kind of big name jobs that he's had or the biggest shall we say in inter um liverpool and england they've kind of gone wrong certainly the 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 england and liverpool have gone wrong spectacularly so that naturally draws interest on a on a platform like that so evergreen um, content baby yeah quite. indeed <laughs> indeed um as for uh, the idea of a one year extension I'm not as mad as it as I would have been, say, three months ago. Uh, it does feel like kicking it up the road. And it'll be interesting. I guess we'll never know whether this decision making has, you know, it, it's come from it's a contingency or whether it's the managers that uh, make sense aren't available or if it's the managers that make sense are out of our kind of spending power at the moment. You know, there, there might be a kind of requirement that managers, prospective managers are asking for in terms of war chess in the summer. So, um, you know, it, it could be for all manner of reasons. He is, let's let's be honest, he is quite a steady, safe pair of hands, um, which with some of the turmoil kind of you have at the club, it's hard to gauge just the extent of it with the kind of boardroom, uh, you know, differences of, of opinion, let's put it that way, that have been kind of, if not reported, then leaked or suggested if that's as kind of frosty as it is, maybe some, you know, making a really big decision on management is quite difficult to make right now. Yeah. And, uh, we at least know how he gets on with his current squad of players. It might not, it might be a managerial appointment that makes Wilf less likely to stay for all we know. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it, I don't mind it being next season's problem. If I rather that than, you know, a, a, an appointment for appointment's sake that is, you know, we've 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 had managers who are quite far down the list been appointed. So I don't think we need to go there again. My but, only concern is it could reduce the the prospect of what is 
designed to be such a wonderful goodbye. The, the Forest home game is such a wonderful thank you yeah. opportunity for Roy. And, and the idea of him going to next season where maybe the, the cards don't fall the same way as they have done, I don't know. It, it, To be honest, it's a subject that, given how enjoyable things are at the moment, I didn't really want to start happening until the season is finished. Yeah. Um, put, it this, put, it, put it this way. At least Frank Lampard has done enough damage to his reputation <laughs> that we're not going to get here. We have yeah, earned the time to see other managers kind of talk themselves and do themselves out of work. We'll come back to the manager stuff, I'm sure. I'm sure Jim cannot wait for more manager chat because I know it's one of his favourite subjects. Uh, moving on from, from the manager side of things, um, this isn't a listener question, but it's it's apt at this time of year. The votes are open for player of the season. Um, and the awards are scheduled for next Wednesday, the 24th of May. Um, just wondered if either of you would be willing to share who you voted for, if you have done so. I'm happy to start. I, I did go with Czech Decore. It might be kind of the the bias of of the newbie and, and the fact he settled into the, the team and league so well, but I, he, he, he just edged Mark Gay for me. Ruben, have you cast your vote? Uh, I've not yet, um, but if I was going to vote, I would I would also go for Czech Decore. Um, there's been more you know, entertaining players to watch, as we mentioned earlier. But I just think uh, in terms of like importance to the side, if you take Decore out of that team and replace him with Luca all season, I think we're down. I right? think we're like, planning for Rotherham next season. He, yeah. he, hold, he held that midfield together for like basically on his own because, um, you know, I think I said last time I was on uh, that Vieira played a kind of 4 4 2 shape sometimes or a 4 2 3 1. So it was, it was quite often a double pivot rather than a, a three. And it was him and Schlupp, and that didn't suit Schlupp very well because he's much better in a slightly advanced um, left half space, if I'm going to get weird and technical. Um, so Decore had a very difficult job for a lot of the season. Um, he is he's a very classy player. I think he's one of the most underrated players in in his position throughout the league because players at Palace have so many other kind of more eye grabbing, headline grabbing players. Um, so in terms of how crucial he's been to uh, the kind of stability um, of of the club this season, I would also vote for him with honourable mentions to Gehi and Elise. Go. Oh. It's a it's a full house. Yeah, I, 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 I checked Corey for me as well. I think it, it's. I think for others, uh, you know, seeing some of the conversations when people have put names other than him forward, uh, a lot of it perhaps has been influenced by uh, how our most exciting players have really kind of really showed up in the last few months. I actually think the last few months have reinforced my belief that it's to Corey because. Roy Hodgson has actually made him, you know, we've still retained that importance as to him in the side, but he hasn't been booked yet since Hodgson's come in, which given how things were prior to that, where it seemed like he's hanging on, you know, Chet Corey is holding this midfield together. That Aston know, Villa game. Yeah, just like holding on for dear life. Yellows are inevitable because... The Brighton, he's, the Brighton first half. Yeah, he's doing yeah. two, he's doing all their jobs. He's, you know, he's coming off after an hour because he's knackered. Every game, and he's always got a yellow because he's been asked to do too much. And yet we've managed to kind of keep him having the same responsibilities, also kind of occasionally getting a bit forward a bit more. And yet he's, and the kind of discipline has, has plummeted, he's, and he's playing a lot more minutes. I just, yeah, I, the way I, I just think it's an incredible first season in the Premier League. He's frighteningly young. And I think if you were... I, I've I've had this long 
agenda about uh, or narrative or whatever about big Premier League side, big Premier League sides seem. I think they know good players, and it's almost like they need to be told by the papers sometimes who they want, yeah. who they should be getting in for. Who's your marquee this summer? I felt like all these people in the market for people like Rice and and uh, or you know Arsenal might necessarily need a Thomas Partey replacement soon or Granite Xhaka replacements. I just think they they rather than wait. 12 months where they were never to start bidding for him for twice the money. Go now. Why? Yeah, why wouldn't they be looking at him now? I'm glad you, they're not. Absolutely. But, but you even see names like Calvin Phillips being recycled for, you know, if Rice goes, then West Ham will go after Calvin Phillips. Not that West Ham would, would fancy their chances getting Decore off us. But, yeah, it, it, I, I think Decore is another one who, you know, savour him for while we've got him because... Mm. No, let's let's drop the red nap quote again, Ruben, because that guy is 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 very very good and is getting better and better. And you know, you touched on the fitness issue there, Joe. That's reducing. He's playing full full games, and when he's being taken off with ten to go, it's at the manager's discretion. It's as if he wants to kind of give him some time rather than needs to take him off for for any reason. So, yeah, clean house here. It'll be interesting to see who does who does get it. Um, if he does win it, then it might soften the blow of his former team Longs qualifying for the Champions League this yeah, season. Great shout. Unbelievable um, turnaround for them. Well, not turnaround because they were they were decent last year, but they've just pushed on. Can I just yeah. throw a stat at you regarding Decore? He's yeah. completed the most progressive passes in our entire squad um, just after Elise, Eze, and then Gay. So um, he's he's not the sort of defensive midfielder that we've been used to having. You know, it, it, the way he... Um, progresses the ball from that deep position into players like SA is a key part of uh, what the attacking players are able to do. Yeah, he he's a very important part of what we're doing well at the moment and had another excellent game. Um, kind of leads into our first listener question. It's from, I hope this finds you well, and it does. So thank you for uh, for contacting us. Um, is Hodgson's second spell the litmus test that shows the investment in the playing squad worked and will it convince ownership to continue to invest this summer, average possession, XG, etc., all up on each of Roy's previous seasons. Joe, I'll come to you on that one first. How? I mean, that is a fair point, isn't it? Really, that, that the, the signings that have been made, particularly the, the 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 bigger investments, have have all really shown up since they've been Palace players, and, and would encourage that the model is working, and, and hopefully will encourage further signings of the type that we've seen over the last two years or so. Yeah, it's a testament to that model, and it's kind of also a testament to Hodgson's management. I think everybody now with a bit of sense can look back on his last season or two in the previous spell and see that it's as much about, as Ruben touched on earlier, it's as much about about what he could apply with the the playing squad he had in front of him and the resources we were probably willing to spend pre-John Textor. So you're seeing now, actually, give him those players... uh, and he'll he'll change the style of play and will be a lot more exciting accordingly. But yeah, that that there are quite a lot of players contracts up this summer again, very similar to two years ago. If we have that kind of spending summer again, great. I kind of trust in Dougie Friedman and and his cohorts to to get something similar done. We probably won't I do imagine we'll struggle to get to you know get as much value in the market as we did back then. As I remember it. Texter's investment allowed us to be very cash rich at a time when, in the pandemic, clubs were desperate for money. We we sort of shaved sort of seven eight million off the Anderson valuation just by offering it all up front, if I can remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Silly things like that that allowed us to get players 
way less than they would perhaps be worth right now. Um, but you know, it's it is a, it is a testament to the model. However, it probably does mean one. I imagine we'll probably see the other side of the model that we haven't quite seen yet. Which we'll, is, we'll, we're going to come onto that in a moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Ruben, any thoughts on on the model and how it's worked and 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 whether you know the point that Roy coming back in being the manager that was you know perhaps. Uh, here before the model came in and, and is here again after the model's been kind of implemented. It, it is testament to how it's working, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely working so far. Um, you know, the, the the players that we've signed, especially like, you know, Elise was an absolute bargain. Um, we're, you know, projected, barring some mad disaster to make massive profits on on these players. Uh, maybe not Anderson, he's slightly older than than Gay, but and probably less in demand. But um, they've all been really good signing so i'm very happy with it so far um i just hope they can kind of repeat that uh genius recruitment again once we go into the next cycle of it yeah and i think that that is the key because as we are now starting to see and, and perhaps starting to accept we may see one or two departures in the next season or two um but that is the only way of fulfilling this this model on a sustainable um basis joe as, as you kind of touched on there is the other side to it um, and there's a number of questions. Nav has asked which of our three big saleable assets is the most replaceable. Jerome Gavin asked if we had to lose one of Ebbs, Gay or Elise, who would you pick? Alex Young, Eze makes it look, look so easy, but how much is he worth? And should we sell our assets whilst their stock is high like Brighton have done so successfully? And then at Exile Selhurst, it's like being asked which of your children you love the most, but if we need to sell one of the crown jewels, and he lists Eze, Elise, Gay, and then Jean-Philippe Mateta. Um, but the first three, to help fund bringing new players in, which player would you sell? And what do you think is their market valuation? So I guess if we kind of cover them all off in in one question, in in the sense of who is the most saleable, um, and, and which of those would you be looking to to sell right now? Mark Gay, I think, has got the highest value ceiling in terms of his time at Palace. I think the centre-back market is always really inflated. It's not the most saturated market. Um, add to that the general kind of English Premier League tax. I, I think I think we could get. I think we could break selling records for Palace easily. Uh, which him. is what? Which is what? Fifty for? I think. I guess, Aaron still, I guess it is still that. Yeah, in my mind, I was thinking about those kind of fails of Harbids to for Everton, <laughs> but actually, we never went, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I, I imagine whoever we it would be would clear that fifty million at this point. I think if you're talking Ebbs, Elise, and Gay, this summer, I imagine they would all clear that. Um, Elise, there's players like that in that sort of position. Money is spent quite a lot on those type of players. But I find that there's there often needs to be a bit of a merry-go-round where big-name clubs are moving a, a sort of significant player on or trying to get a new Something start. Something needs to start the, the yes. motion. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're probably two or three steps down in that, possibly. You know, I, I think we'll still get good money, but I feel like other things need to set in... Other, we'll need to set in motion elsewhere before those conversations start happening. You know, the... The loose Elise reports, there was one one about PSG because naturally they've got, I think, Neymar's possibly out the door and Messi absolutely is. That's not to say, you know, I'm enjoying the idea of telling mates that, you know, we've Elise makes sense as the Messi replacement and yeah. only being half joking. But Well, their names are in the same paragraphs at the moment, so, you know. Right, exactly. So 
you need you need those kind of clubs to be having a rethink and a restructure on that level to think right let's get a check even even a club like PSG they don't get a checkbook out unless they really need those players yeah, so yeah um whether it is Elise or whether they've got that money they go somewhere else because you know I'm sure they're you know these they're, they're outlying players at the moment in terms of their style but you know I can imagine this they'll maybe try and look for value elsewhere or so a little bit more experience would you would you edge toward Gay then of the three of them as probably the most saleable this summer I I think so I think there's always clubs in the market desperately for composed confident centre backs yeah. that are Premier League ready he's he's always, he's he's looked he's looked quality since his first game doesn't he really I think he came on at but I'm right thinking he came on at half time in that on his debut or was that I Anderson? think so. no oh, I, I one, of, one of them one of them I think Gay he started I think okay. Anderson came on gotcha and Anderson it, Anderson didn't have much for pre-season because he was stuck in a hotel room in Mykonos as far that's as it remember. right yeah but from the moment he stepped on the pitch, I mean, we didn't win that game. We we got hammered, but he looked. I was already was in love and sold he, on that day. You're right. He took no time to acclimatise, and um, he's ending this season really, really strong. He was absolutely superb against against Bournemouth. Perhaps you know you could argue not up against much, but everything he did do, he did a hundred percent. I think. I think all of his stats, he he wasn't beaten either aerially or in or on the ground, and and he's. His use of the ball is absolutely fantastic. Ruben, what, what are your thoughts on, on the three of them in terms of most saleable right now, if we had to? Uh, I, I'd largely agree. I think Gay has two other um, massive attributes that inflate his value even more. The fact that he's comfortable playing on the left side, despite being right-footed. Obviously, like left-footed centre-backs are in high demand. Left-sided centre-backs also in high demand, and that's where he plays for us. Um, I think that's probably where he played for Swansea. So... That's a great asset. He he's also won the captain's armband a lot, and has been touted as a future captain of possibly England or wherever he goes. So we could theoretically get a lot of money for him um, for those reasons. I I also think I don't know the, the if we sell Elise, then replacing his output will be quite difficult. I think because like young tricky wingers like they can take a while to adapt and develop chemistry with their with the other players around them. Um, and that can also happen with defenders, but I think we could probably find a centre-back to, who wouldn't necessarily be as good, but could play on that, play in that position. Maybe a bit easier than we could find a replacement for Elise or Eze right now. Um, because, you know, flair players also have their value inflated because they're, because they're fun. Um, so I, I honestly, I'm not really sure who I'd rather sell. Um, kind of, my gut says let's cash in on Gay. You get like 65, 70 million for him and enjoy watching Elise for like another year, maybe that's another it. two. Um, but again, that's that's quite an emotional response. But um, I hope only one of those three players goes. I, 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 it's funny, as you said that, I was just thinking we're having this conversation. It's all quite lighthearted. While we acknowledge if this model is going to sustain itself, it needs to be that we acknowledge that players will have to go. But if if two of them go in one summer, the place is going to go off. It, it's not going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, it'd be, um, it would be horrible. And, um, you know, you, if you're going to sell two key players like that, you have to know that you're going to get re- replacements that are going to be, you know, almost as or just as productive uh, when they come in. Because 
they're our best players you know they're, they're not like on the fringes and we have like a, a kind of core of other players who we can build a team around like they are the first team at the moment um so yeah just fingers crossed the recruitment's on point again uh just in terms of center halves it might timely mention that southampton dropped because i know joe you've mentioned when we've been on recently you've reminded us <coughs> of the interest that we had in in bella Kotchap and and also salisu will I think probably stay a Premier League player next season as well. Um, there were some very tenuous links to him today, actually. I, oh, right. Okay. The, the source was a Ghanaian source, like a Ghanaian football uh, website. But the, the, they they reported us as kind of, of having a look, yeah. There, there'll be interest in a lot of Southampton players, but particularly those two centre-halves. The thing with Gay, the only thing that, that may make him think twice about a move is that we are only a year away from a European Championship where he could very much <laughs> figure. Sorry. I, I, I thought I, you. I'm sorry that you're absolutely right. I thought you were saying like we're a year away from like a European adventure with Palace. Who knows? I was like, I was who like, knows? And let's be honest, Roy's we're, European tour. We were talking about you. you Ruben mentioned the uh, kind of slightly emotional factors in these responses, and I do think if we're going to have this model, we should at least treat ourselves to you know a year with it all in place to get. You know, I imagine that this season gone was meant to be that with everybody, but I. Can we deny ourselves another full season of of Ebbs and Elise kind of at this kind of full flow that we're seeing now? Oh, it would be. Oh, I just I think anything is possible. No, I'm with you. I, I think that's why so many Palace fans are swaying towards the idea of if if one has to go, then it would be a centre half, despite him being probably as important than either of those two. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll when, deal with that. We'll deal with that next year. Whenever we get into one of these runs of form. We always get carried away and think that that sort of thing is possible, right? But the thing is, it is possible. You see what Brentford have done. Um, like man for man, our first eleven is better than theirs, right? But yeah. but they they are just such a good team because they're so well coached and they have such a great um, sustainable model. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But then. <laughs> football fans are fickle right myself included whenever that we then go on a bad run of form and players you know their confidence drops and we just start leaking goals i, I, I struggle to see where the next dole is going to come from let alone win and that happens like twice a season um so yeah but yeah that which is why i always enjoy it while it lasts yeah absolutely and uh Achini's asked, was that the James MacArthur testimonial? Huge cheer when he came on, song sung for minutes after, more cheers every time he went near the ball. Joe, you were there on Saturday. It, it was lovely to see him. It was, and he got a, a really nice reception as well. It's interesting that he comes on instead of Lukonga there or um, Hamada was on the bench because due to a slip, uh, illness or injury. I, I wasn't sure why he was at, actually. But, yeah, it did feel like a, just a, a nice... Uh, an appreciation uh, cameo, really, um, which I, you know, it was so integral to us last season. There was that really bad patch of form that seemed to coincide with his injury or that injury at the time. But unfortunately for him, at this time in his career, that they just have kept coming back and it seems to be a recurring problem. Um, so it was really nice to actually have him out on the pitch at a game where we're not you know, entrusting him. We're not relying on him to try and get something out of the game for us. Um, I, I love, I love James McArthur. Probably pound for pound, the best signing in this, in this kind of uh, era of uh, since we've gone up. I mean, there might be a lot of people screaming Wolf's name in that. I guess he does count in that. But 
Yeah, certainly in terms of a new face. I was going to say, of an unknown quantity and how quickly he said to her, I think that's definitely a fair shout. He was, was, a, record at, he was a record at the time, wasn't he? That's right. Six or yeah. seven million, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, excellent servant. And what he must be coming up 10 years next summer. I'm going to 2014. Love so, yeah. Um, I mean, this podcast has no sway, but if he's able to stop doing his coaching badges and be part of the club furniture for years to come, then I don't think any Palace fan would uh, would not like to see that. What a, He's just been a great servant, as you say, Joe. Fantastic um, servant and great value. And um, He's played he did, many different roles as well. well exactly. I was going to say, he's played a very varied role in midfield he's you know he came on at the base of midfield uh, and played at the base it was quite an interesting midfield that ended the game actually gyro also kind of running around looking a bit crazy um maybe when it comes to winners and losers we'll talk about his shot but interesting subs and and you know i, I know roy rates james mccarthy a hell of a lot given how much credit he gave him in his first spell so yeah achini i think you're right i'm not sure if it was testimonial vibes um it perhaps was a little bit but hopefully we uh we see Jimmy Mack a little bit more between now and the end of the season, then who knows what the plan is um, after next season. And then just finally for questions, um, and it's more of a, a notice really, um, CPFC Toronto, what are your thoughts on the announcement of the US tour? Um, and they ask for uh, any Palace fans to let them know if they're making the journey and CPFC Toronto will be there to meet any fellow fans. So, you know, I guess that's the the main thing when a, a tour like this is announced, how excited fans in that part of the world can get that they're going to see the team that they follow week in, week out. But um, for those that don't know, um, playing two games in that trip, um, first they'll be playing uh, Millenarios, a Colombian, uh, currently top of the Colombian First Division in Chicago, and then they'll be travelling to Detroit where they'll play Sevilla. Um, just very brief thoughts, guys, in terms of, of a, a pre-season trip. I guess it's nice for the club to be in a position to announce pre-season trips like this. Joe, any plans to use any air miles that might be building up? No, not this summer, although I'm very I'm very envious of anybody going. I, I that sounds like a lovely a lovely trip, even if it's I imagine most people will try and do both stops if they're travelling across the Atlantic. Those that are there, I'm not sure. But yeah, really nice you know, ten years in the Premier League, there are you know, we have expats, of course, in North America naturally, but we've also along the way, as I'm sure kind of it's hard not to notice how many international fans People that have taken up the sport or following the sport in that decade, we've got quite a fancy name. We've got quite some interesting marquee players. You know, it might only be one at a time, but we're quite eye-catching. We are. We have five-star skill players on FIFA <laughs> for what that's worth, and that is worth something. Oh, I know. When when people are trying to pick a team like that, that makes a huge difference, and it's really cool for those people to get the opportunity to to see to see Palace uh, play. Well. Um, uh, before I throw to Ruben, there is um, there's also the the whole Ted Lasso location thing, which has sure. probably pushed the the Selhurst Park thing a little bit. And um, although it's not called that in that program, I, I know that Jim and Rob, you know, there was a really positive uh, Ted Lasso pod pod extra a couple of weeks ago. Ruben, I think I'm more of your opinion that it's not perhaps my cup of tea. So, we, but we won't make this a, a negative thing. But that type of thing does work. There there could well be people going to or seeing at least Palace's name in their city and thinking. They might go and check them out, and who knows, they may become Palace fans from from the other side of the pond. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, having a global fan base is no bad thing. I was going to say, what am I allowed to say about Ted Lasso? But um, let's <laughs> I say, preempted I, it. I, I saw I, I saw a tweet <laughs> from you the other day, and I thought, let's not ask him. I hope this is a better marketing tool in getting Americans to enjoy football than the show is. Um, and but I also um, feel a little bit for a friend of the pod, Ed Malian 
who lives over the, in the States now, but yes. will be in London when Palace are out oh. there. <laughs> Ships in the night, um, or planes in the night, perhaps. Um, yeah, it should be a good trip. And uh, from a playing perspective, I, I think it's... Well, at least they'll all be going, at least. I was going to say, it's been yeah. made clear that the, the kind of entry requirements are, have changed, and it means that we won't be in the situation that we were last summer with half the squad based in... Uh, uh, was it Sydney and Perth and half the squad still based in Bromley and Beckenham. So fingers crossed it will be a, a more productive uh, pre-season than last. Um, but yeah, anyone that's going, have a great time. And I'm sure um, listeners are looking forward to it and you can all get together and, and FYP would love to be part of that. So please, when the time comes, send all the pictures and all the tweets you want. Um, that brings us to the end of questions. Thanks to everyone that, that put their questions in. Sorry if we didn't get around to yours this week. Um, Jim, fair play to you. It is difficult to manage the question section because there's so much to talk about. I do know there is talk of some question specials um, for when the season comes to an end. Um, so no doubt we'll get around to all manner of things Palace in the next few weeks and months. Um, join us in part three where we'll be moving on to winners and losers. To the FYP podcast. There you go, boys. Right on cue. Uh, It's time for winners and losers. Uh, Still free for all until at least the end of this season. Uh, Quick reminder that patrons receive an additional patron-only post-match podcast and other perks. If not already subscribed, you can join at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Joe, let's come to you for your winners. I know we've covered uh, a lot of players already, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start with you for your winner. I can't. I'm. I'm delighted to get in ahead of you. <laughs> I can't. Today. Well, I can't. Can I? I'm in this chair. I can't do it. Yep. But I, I, it's still going to do you proud. I reckon. <laughs> Please. I absolutely love Joel Ward's performance <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. I am. I, am uh, I. I think I even said it. I think I tweeted it on the on the night, and I wasn't that drunk. I said that uh, you know I can't imagine saying this a couple of months ago, but I think out of the two right backs that we have that are out of contract at the end of the season. I think he's the clear candidate for an extension. I don't necessarily believe that means he should be starting every week next season, but I absolutely want him around still. And I think every time he's been challenged and called upon, he's still showing himself to be really useful now. All the kind of programming from last season, the start of this season, of that if you're going to play, he needs IU in front of him as hell, all that stuff. It's kind of looked a bit silly now. And, I, you know, there's definitely moments where, He's beaten in a foot race and stuff like that. Stuff you can't necessarily help. But ah, I just thought I just thought he was really enjoying himself on, on Saturday. And you know, that the 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 360, the pirouette was kind of a, a quite an enjoyable highlight. Uh, and it, you know, it's the spotlight on that performance, really. But every time you know, it looks like he's gonna like be replaced, he just somehow manages to stay in the team with either a stroke of luck, um, like, you know, Wambasaka being sold or his replacement getting injured or whatever, or he just comes into a great run of form and we're like, oh, actually, he's still good. Yeah, we could spend the money elsewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe, as you said, I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't believe what I was seeing. The term was just fantastic. A friend of mine who, who I went to the game with said that that happened within about 30 seconds of, of Roy 
giving the fans a wave and, and in view of Cheney's <laughs> question in the first or so in the second part that you know that's when you're feeling maybe end of season testimonial vibes when you've got a, a 33 year old right back doing you know Maradona turns on the edge of the opposition penalty area and and the the 75 year old managers waving to the crowd upon a singing request so it, he played really really well and you know, defensively def- pitch as well well I was going to say I mean defensively he's looking really solid um and that's reassuring. But actually, what I can't believe is, is just how adventurous he's being and and clearly being encouraged to go forward because he's got Michael Lise, um in front of him and, and Roy and Ray are probably saying, well, he needs the extra run or, or whatever. But he's actually getting the ball in those parts of the pitch and and being part of the, the triangles when Michael Lise and Ebsa, you know, he's he's sometimes the third in a triangle between Michael Elise and Eberich Eze. It's just yeah. ridiculous. But Ruben, any any more to say on, on Joe Ward? Um, I've... I've... I've not been his biggest, like, I love him, but I have thought quite often over the last few years, um, last two years mainly, that we desperately need to upgrade in that position and that if there was a weak link in the team, it would be him. Um, But if he can play like that still, and basically we need more strength in that position across the two players who can play there. Um, But, you know, yeah, I love Joe Ward. He's a legend. Um, Happy to see him play well. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna criticise him this week. Obviously, no, it's not the week to do that. I, I wonder whether, you know, in terms of changes within the squad, if maybe James Tompkins' time has comes to an end in a Palace shirt, and, and Wardy becomes that additional reserve centre half, but with the flexibility to play both right back and full back. Um, but he seems to do well in spring. Maybe it's when the, the clocks go forward. Seems to do Joel Ward wonders. Don't know if there's anything in that. But well, yeah. does he observe Lent? Is that is that very past? Is it quite possible? I'm sure he observes Lent? most of most of the Christian calendar. So um, yeah, maybe he gets that extra when he's you know if he's given up chocolate, perhaps he's he's all go once the once the Easter period's been and gone. But yeah, absolutely fantastic, chuff for Joel. Um, and as you maybe touched on there, Joe probably a lot more likely to be earning an additional contract than he was maybe three or four months ago. But we'll see well, what the summer brings. Even I think even his most ardent fan, although you could count on me on this, will might would have assumed that come the summer, Nathaniel Klein was the first choice right back of the two that we had, not just in these remaining games that we had, but probably for an extension in the summer. And it's kind of no contest now if you're going to pick uh, uh, who's going to be the second right back. Yeah. In all likelihood, they'll both get one. I was going to say, I, I would still put money on both of them. Right. Uh, Roy was asked in the um, the post-match by, by Chris Grierson about Joel Ward, and he did manage to, within his answer, ever the diplomat mentioned about four or five players within that, including James Tompkins, who may all still learn a coach. Who knows? Who knows what the, the squad looks like? We've got those conversations to look forward to. Ruben, your winner. Um, I'm going to avoid the obvious answers because we've heaped praise on these players um, throughout the whole pod. And I'm going to say uh, Joachim Anderson for avoiding uh, that red card. And because, you know, that could have um, really hindered our hopes of uh, finishing above Chelsea. So thank God that happened. He's definitely won there. Yes, I, I think we can all agree that he uh, he was a winner from that um, event. And uh, don't think we mentioned the first part, just how sheepish he did look for about 30 seconds. I, I think he may have tried to hide at the back of the crowd to... To, to avoid Michael Salisbury's glare. But um, yes, I think we could definitely consider him a winner. What it did allow was for him to become um, part of a move, which if if uh, the move that I'm talking about led to a goal, which was the 60, 70-yard pass over the top for Wilfred Zaha to run to and and Wilf um, come inside and, and hit a, a shot very close to, to to the post. If that had gone in, I think the place would have um, 
gone completely crazy. So, yeah, that, that's another example of how many passes he's shown like that this season. Um, his his creativity from the base of the defence is, is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, conversation earlier about player of the season, I think Joe's name could easily be in that conversation, to be honest. It's just, it's just such a well-balanced partnership at yeah. the back. Like, um, it it reminds me, actually, of when... At, at, the peak of Pochettino's Spurs when they had um, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I'm not saying they're as good, but in the way that Gehi will often dribble the ball out and Anderson will often uh, launch those long diagonals, it kind of, the 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 division of their skills um, is in a similar way to what that Spurs partnership was and it just works so well. Uh, like the chemistry is really strong. Yeah, I, I, and there's such a partnership in the fact they came to the club at the same time only. So there, there is that inherent link between the two of them. And, and to see either one of them with any centre-half, any different centre-half, either due to any absence or perhaps possibly from the start of next season, um, it's it's a, a sight to get your eyes set for. But yeah, and a, a, a good performance. But yeah, I, I, I see why he is your winner this week, Ruben. Um, I'll tell you what, my, my winner uh, this week, and I, I think he's perhaps the only... Uh, Palace player that we haven't mentioned uh, for oh no, there's, a, there's a few but I'm going to give it to Will Hughes who I thought did um, did very very well uh, Jeffrey Schlupp who's been excellent since Roy's come in uh, missed out this time due to an injury I believe and uh, he went with Will Hughes and Will Hughes for all the bite and all the kind of mouth that he shows during during a match I think one thing that perhaps is, is slightly uh, underrated is his reading of the game. He's often picking up passes in the middle of the pitch, um, which he's seen coming a mile off. So he was actually the starting point for a lot of our um, uh, good play, particularly in the first half, um, and also came close to scoring his first Premier League goal for us with a, a rasping volley while most of the crowd was still coming back from, from half-time. So, yeah, Will Hughes um, for me. I, I just sense that he's the type of player that Roy would would love and I think because obviously he wasn't here when Roy was here, and I think you know Roy's welcomed in all the players that were signed. I know there's chat about Ahamada, and he's been underused since since Roy's come in. Um, but of all the players that came in in that window of 2021, um, including Will Hughes, Roy seems to have liked all of them, and they've they've all done quite well for him. So um, yeah, Will Hughes for you, Joe, on Saturday, decent decent performance. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I'm also growing to love this. He sees has a very particular type of celebration when others have scored. Like the, uh, the, the a lot of people picked up on how he reacted to Mateta's winner against Leicester. Um, he has a similar sort of reaction to Eze's second goal, where he kind of just turns to the Homesdale, puts his puts his arms on his hips, and is like, "How about that?" Yeah. You know, that was wasn't that great. I had front row view on that. Lovely. And um, he, yeah, uh, some of the engagement he has with the, with the fan base, it strikes me like he is one of us, which is quite unusual for someone that, you know, is from nowhere near here and is also, you know, in only a second season, having never really had a clear run of games. So, I, I, we, you know, I imagine he probably would think he'd like more minutes next season. Otherwise, he might want to move on. But really, really good squad player. And uh, I think didn't let us down at all on the weekend. No, he played, played really well. I think when he does, I know he did score in the uh, the 4-0 Cup win against Everton last year but when his next goal does come I fully expect to see him just stand there and politely shake his teammates hands like match of the day clips from the 1970s so mm-hmm. yeah something quite old school about him but very very effective on, on Saturday um, just to kind of bring us around to, to losers if I'll stop because I think you guys will probably focus on, on, on maybe some Palace um, 
And it's not a loser because ultimately he was a, w- a winner from the weekend. Um, but for a moment, John Bostock was very much a loser. Um, and I, I don't think John Bostock's name has been mentioned many times in this podcast for obvious reasons. But um, if you haven't seen it or heard about it, John Bostock with the opportunity to score the winning penalty in the uh, National League playoff final at Wembley decided to uh, use a Penenka and it came back off the crossbar and for a good 90 seconds I'm sure his heartbeat was um, was pretty sky high. Did either of you see that one? Yeah, astonishing uh, cojones that uh, w- <laughs> w- was not justified at all. It, there's very few times I can remember anybody uh, attempting a Penenka in a shootout of a final. I think Alexis Sanchez has done it in the Copa America. To, to, to win it. Yeah, yeah. Sanchez, <laughs> Alexis Sanchez did that against Argentina. To win, to win it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, but it, but he basically, well, when I say Panenka, it barely left the ground. He just kind of P-rolled it in. So he went for the safer option. Um, Zidane did it in a World Cup final, didn't he? And he lucked did. out because it only just went over the line. Um, uh, from what I remember, the most famous thing he did in that final. So I think, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think anything else happened. <laughs> no, I think a quiet uh, night for Zinedine that yeah, night in Berlin. But no. yeah. uh, Bostock will be relieved that they won in the end anyway. But yeah, ultimately a, a, a winner on, on Saturday, and he'll be playing uh, League Two football next season in Notts County. And it's, you know, for all the history that comes with John Bostock and Palace, I, I guess it's it's nice to see any player make a home. And he has had quite the career in terms of his time in, in different countries, played in France, I think he's played in Turkey. So, to, to be playing consistently for an English club, albeit non-league for the last few years um, or last year or so, to, to be making step up into football league with with Notts County, hopefully he'll have a, a, a positive next season or so. Any thoughts on on John Bostock in particular, Joe? Yeah, I I I, I don't harbour any resentment for him. I mean, the whole thing it didn't it, it it equally didn't work out for him as much as it didn't True. work out for us. Yeah. And uh, you know, still had a very long career. Uh, an interesting one out of it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm so young, making that decision arguably influenced by partner supporting parents. Let's, let's not go down that road. Yeah, exactly. Let's exactly. not go down that road. <laughs> uh, well, I would point out anyway, in that game, there's a deeper Palace cut in that game, also in that shootout. In goal for Chesterfield is Ross, Ross Fitzsimmons, or Fitzsimmons, yeah. who uh, was on the bench for Palace a couple of times. Uh, well, a long, uh, many moons ago now, but, but you know, might have been a Pardew era. I'm trying, I can't quite place when it was. Uh, May, yeah, around that time, I think. But yes, I did, I did oh, see 2011 his... to 2014. So it's actually before we, yeah, I, 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 promoted. Yeah, so he must be what, must be 30 now or so, and uh, I, have, I have no recollection yeah. of this guy at all. Yeah, he's, he's kind of he was the next step on from like Lance Cronin, that type of. Uh, that type of name. But yeah, again, another guy who's come through the ranks and, and made a fairly steady career for himself. Um, and yeah, uh, a few penalties away from, or a few minutes away in that final from, from being a, a football league player. Um, but yeah, this isn't a Notts County or Chesterfield podcast. So let's, let's move on. Ruben, you're loser this week. If you have one. It's difficult, isn't it? I suppose in an extremely harsh way and uh, with regret, <laughs> I'd have to say through no fault of his own, Wilfred Zaha because he's you know went off injured again might not get his goodbye his his future's up in the air and it's not the way we want uh, his time at Palace to end it's definitely not the way he wants his time at Palace to end so I guess you know given the how good our performance was and that we've won 2-0 I guess my choice would have to be Wilf. Legitimate rationale for your choice but I do think that is probably the first time that Wilf has been a loser on this podcast. Yeah, I still it, love him. To clarify, oh, we, I'm not. I'm not having people coming at me on Twitter. No, no, he's still the goat. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think that 
you know, if it does turn out that that was his last performance, I I think he'll be as sad as anyone. Um, you know, the the club means a lot to him, as as we know, and you know he may have been frustrated that he didn't get moves in previous years, but he's he's never down tools really, and has been a a focal point, nothing more than that. And and as Ruben says, perhaps the greatest of all time to wear the shirt. So hopefully it's not the end. Um, but we have absolutely no idea. Joe, any any thoughts on it? What what was your feeling at the time being in the ground? When when you saw him start to feel his hamstring, were you starting to fear the worst? Because I know he did give it a go for maybe 45 seconds before he did take to the turf. You know, in in the in the game, I I didn't see the initial, I didn't see him go down. So I I had no idea of oh, I didn't know if it was like a bad challenge or just something a bit sore. And it wasn't until he went off that I thought, oh hang on. This this might be this might be it. Um, he left a typically cryptic social media message, something about you know everything happens for a reason, and you know it does, all of it strikes to someone that hasn't made their mind up yet, which is just uh, it's just so. I think that's where I think that's where I'm at. I I, I look at the situation with, with no knowledge of the situation other than you know just watching his social media, his response to the injury on Saturday. I just think he's a man who. Who doesn't know where he'll be playing football next August? If if I could weave, I've been weaving this wonderful picture of. of uh, so he speaks French. Yeah, I don't think, as Ruben outlined pretty extensively, I don't think England's the place for him if he wants the Champions League football and or or to play every week. And I think the most the big link, the the name that I've seen with him, and the one that makes sense, and the one that's actually an attractive proposition for him is Marseille. And for the and as already has been mentioned. They are now not in the Champions League places. And I imagine that move would be dependent on that if they were to go for him. So if all these, the injury and them may not make anything and it, it's all falling into place. We, uh, let me, let's not, but let's, am I starting to believe again? It's happening. If he, if he signs a new deal, that announcement <laughs> video is going to be unreal. Well, as, as, as someone who works in that media, Ruben, I'm sure you can imagine the, the fun that would be had if that decision does come about. The, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the social media work for, for Palace, if that does happen, will be uh, through the roof. Um, we'll, we shall see. We, we we shall see. But, yeah, I'm pretty certain that is the first time Wilf has been a loser and it happens to be the first time I've hosted this podcast. So, Wilfred, well, that's, nothing to, that's nothing to do with me, my friend. I, I love you. Uh, Joe, let's uh, let's round off with you for loser. Um, I guess Mateta. You know, for somebody that was had made a really pivotal contribution to the first game, I think that goal really influences... How this Roy return? Well, as pivotal to Palace's season as probably as to Leicester's season. Yeah, uh, I was quite. saying earlier today that Jean-Philippe Mateta pretty much ended Leicester's <laughs> Premier League spell. Uh, yes. They have not responded well to his last-minute goal, and, and you do wonder if they'd held on for a one-one that day, um, whether things would be different. But yeah, you're right. He he hasn't featured much since um, since I came on at Leeds. Um, without looking any stats up, maybe. Two or three, or maybe Everton. He came on against possibly. Um, I but what, what, what did you make of Odson Edwards? Twenty I minutes did, on. I, I didn't think there was much in that either. To be honest, no. uh, you know, I think I, I use the starting furthest forward. You know, the case to be made against it, there isn't much one. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. think either of them have really pushed hard on pitch. Anyway, certainly, I, you know, I, I haven't seen how they are in training, but I can't imagine IU phoning it in in training either. So no. Yeah, it was a bit underwhelming, his spell, but the game was won by that point. It's difficult to gauge a player coming in. Um, if everyone else is, is maybe chilled out a little bit, it's difficult to, it's, to kind it's of bring a... everyone back up to speed. But he, he didn't really do anything when he came no. on. 
it's something we've not considered actually in this conversation, which is if we're going to sell people in this model, we have, we very rarely sell players we don't want for money. And Edward and even Mateta are kind of because of age profile fit into that category. I think we may end up getting some money for those one or both of those. Uh, and kind of not feeling any worse off for it. Well, I don't. I don't think Odson Edward has done much to. Um, I mean, very good goal at Leeds aside since the World Cup. He he hasn't really had that impact that most of us were hoping he would have come this season. Um, and yeah, you may be right. There may be offers for him. Clearly, a footballer there. Clearly, yeah. uh, a, a talent. Whether or not it's what we do, how we play it, it's my, maybe that we're perhaps a little bit too explosive in the final third to suit. His maybe languid style, but Mateta. I mean, if there's money for Mateta, we can hear you, Lister, screaming. We we agree with you, so we'll see. Thank it's you, not it's it's not Palace if we don't have two very underwhelming strikers, well, though, is it? Like, yeah, yeah. Every year there's there's a striker there who is just not very good. Yes, sometimes more. Well, I, I did see us cruelly referred to as the cemetery for strikers uh, this week. And uh, Do you remember fourteen, fifteen? Wow. Shola Amiobi, yeah, come on down. Yaya Sanogo, Kevin Doyle. Yeah. And yeah. Glenn, Murray, Glenn Murray couldn't get a game until February. Yeah. In fact, he wasn't even at the club. Anyway, Ridiculous. Yeah, anyway. let's, let's not go down that route. That's <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, thank you, gents. That's um, That brings uh, winners and losers to an end. Um, listener, we are coming to the end, I, I promise. Uh, just after the break, we'll finish on a preview ahead of the Fulham game. Final part of this week's podcast. We, yeah, still going, boys. Still got the, still got the enthusiasm. Uh, very quickly, we're going to preview uh, this weekend's trip to Craven Cottage. Um, either of you, gentlemen, going on Saturday? Uh, Joe, yeah. is that a, not? Is that a? It's a it's a grimace. I, I've I'm going, but I'm going via boat, and I've I signed up to one. Well, my father signed up to it, and I was like, great, okay. Let's do it. So it sounds like fun. Docking at nine o'clock. So wow. this is this is going. I'm going to arrive at I guess at noon. I don't know how long these things take, and I, I just don't. I mean, no one's going to make me drink on that boat, <laughs> but um, I'm, I just I may have to really work, be careful in order to make sure I remember the game. I if, really if, I enjoy Fulham as an away day. Well, uh, it's a great away day. I was, I was going to say if I do see you on Saturday, I might text you afterwards to tell you that I have seen you just to kind of. Okay. confirm it but yeah six hours six hours pre-meet that's um that's a brave step but yeah my first question was going to be boat related um and palace fans and all away fans that have been to craven cottage have, have certainly made use of uh that mode of transport this year Ruben, what have you made of fulham this season were you one that maybe didn't see them having as positive a season this this time around yeah i think i think like everybody i pretty much not not wrote them off because there's a lot of dross in the league this season, but um, definitely didn't expect them to finish in the top half. Definitely didn't expect Andreas Pereira to become so good in the number 10 role for them. Definitely didn't expect Willian to suddenly become a productive player again upon returning to England. Um, Mitrovic is uh, kind of finally had a good season in the Premier League, very uh, 
prolific, scoring a lot of goals. Um, unfortunate that he's come back from his lengthy ban just before they play us. Um, but they're they're a good team. Like they they're very capable of scoring goals. I know Leicester are terrible, but they scored five against Leicester, two against Southampton. You know, um, they even scored against Man City. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be quite an even game. Um, it doesn't really matter for either team. I'm still very much focused on finishing above Chelsea, so desperate for another three points. Um, and and they will be too, but they're definitely finishing above both teams. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's uh, just an, another game that sees uh, our very valuable players increase their value even further. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful of a good game. I think, as you say, both, um, both teams pressure off in that sense and... Uh, hopefully, more a, a better contest than, than maybe last Saturday was, but you know, obviously, what nothing more than a, the Palace win. I don't, don't really care too much if Fulham turn up. But it, Joe, your thoughts? It's a low bar to improve on the True. reverse fixture. The reverse fixture <laughs> was probably one of the, well, I, it, to me, it was the low point of the season. You know, Brighton was obviously t- not great, and the Spurs result that followed the Fulham game was pretty bad. But that was. That was the last time I remember having my head in my hands for most of the game. You, you have preempted both my questions for this game. One was a boat, was about a boat, and the other one was, is it time for payback for Boxing Day? So, so when right. Tom, did Tompkins get sent off in that game? And Mitchell. Oh Jesus! It yeah. was um, yeah. it was a very self inflicted game, but that was that was I think the first and last time that uh, well no no certainly not the first. It was definitely the last time that Vieira tried to have James Tompkins play the same style as we normally did under him <laughs> rather than go, actually, you're not capable of that. So let's, you know, he, he was begging not to be given the ball by the end of that first half. He, he was in for Mark Gay, wasn't he? Who'd been yeah. suspended for the whole of the World Cup because he picked up his fifth booking just before that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully if we go with a full strength team, I, I think it'll be a very even contest. And um, I see no reason why we couldn't add another win to, to kind of Roy's bow um but it'll be it'll be a tough game and, and Fulham of even with some injuries you know Pereira as you mentioned Ruben's had a very good season but he's now out Tim Ream's been fundamental to their kind of solidity at the back but he's now out but even with those they they have seemed um to still be quite at it and and saw Southampton comfortably off on um on Saturday but and Tom Tom Kearney who came back in uh has was scoring goals against Leicester right absolutely. so he's still a good player yeah he, he's really making the most because he hasn't had two I think he's the most substituted in player um this season um so yeah he um he's enjoying his time in the, in the, the starting lineup and and we shall see but yeah fingers crossed even without wilf um I guess final question for you both in in terms of wilf's absence Odson Edwards to come in and and maybe be part of a three a fluid three with are you and elise with with as a continuing the last thing i would want to see would be Eberiche as a have to play wide of a three and and someone come into the midfield yeah, I'd I'd go with Edward. Whether I think he'd have to play through the middle and put Ayu back out on the left. It just it makes the most sense given given what's available. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, I imagine I imagine the way the way Roy thinks. I'm, I, I I I he doesn't strike me as someone that is into the idea of Austin Edward out wide. He probably had had to have been shown it on. A, I hope someone is showing him a DVD of that Arsenal. Game <laughs> yeah, um, um, but yeah, I. Yeah, I, I still think I'm still confident of us if it is IE wide with, with one of the two that we've already rubbished what well, I've rubbished in the winners and losers. Um, you know, it's enough to give them a game. Let and me throw let me throw it out there. Let's hear it. As a false nine. 
Oh. Oh. Goals number 11, 12 and 13. Yes. Nearly okay. coming. You dirty yeah. boy. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, actually, it's probably the the ultimate, whether or not he stays on, it's the perfect last away day of the season for Hodgson, isn't it? I mean, you've, again, another tick I was going to reference it in the last away day. Hattrick, there's your hat-trick. Um, yeah, Roy will get, you know, applause from all four of the, uh, all four sides of the ground, including a very new shiny stand, um, which... Uh, makes Craven Cottage look very different to the last time I went. So, yeah, it is a good, it's a good last away day. And, and no, I think uh, shout out to all the away followers this season. Um, it hasn't been the easiest of seasons, but we still have had some good away days. West Ham was was fun. Um, Southampton away was fun. And, and hopefully this one kind of ends the season with a, with a positive too. But, yeah, it's not easy to follow a team away, particularly when you... Um, are committed to home games as well. So for everyone that, that has managed to make an away game this season, shout out to you because in the current situation, everything is costing more. So to still spend your money on, on following Palace, um, kudos to, to you. You, um, you mentioned he'll get applause from all four sides of the ground. Hopefully he'll give applause back to all four sides of the ground this time <laughs> as well. Well, I think he did that with Watford's last away game last year. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, we'll bring it to an end there, boys. Just the last... Um, Quick shout out in, in terms of things coming from the next week um, is uh, a mention of the Premier League International Cup final uh, being played at Selhurst next Tuesday with our under 23 slash ones. I'm never quite sure what the age bracket is for that competition, but tickets are available and um, uh, to see as many people down there for that game next Tuesday, I'm sure would get the team going. Um, they're playing against Young PSV, I believe, which I didn't appreciate was the name of uh, Dutch youth teams. So there you go. There's your kind of knowledge building for, for the day. Uh, Ruben, Joe, thanks so much for, for joining. Um, hope I did navigate us through it safely enough. But listeners, you can be reassured that Jim is back next week and you won't have to hear um, me uh, hesitantly guiding us through the different stages of the podcast. But thanks for, thanks for listening. Patrons will be getting a post-match pod um, after the match on Saturday, so look out for that. But Joe, Ruben, thanks so much, and um, we'll be back soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.